Acts chapter 2. I want to begin a series this morning. I had something else that on my mind for this time of the year as we were planning. But I went beyond what was on my mind and I believe God to deal God began to deal with my spirit. I preached a message at Ruach this year called Dimensions of the House, House Dimensions. And I talked about, and I'm just giving you sort of a foundation for where we're going. I talked about how in the book of Acts, the 15th chapter, when the Gentiles were being saved and the church was exploding and people were getting saved, healed, and delivered, James stood up. Everybody was asking, what is going on? How are all these Gentiles coming into the kingdom? How is the church exploding? What is happening? And what should we do about all this? And James walks to the pulpit and he says, this is a restoration of the tabernacle of David. James did not say it's a restoration of the tabernacle of Moses. He did not say it was a restoration of the temple of Solomon. He said, what God is doing in the last day is a repairing and a restoration of the temple, pardon me, the tabernacle, actually the tent of David. Moses' tabernacle had dimensions. Solomon's temple had dimensions. Solomon's temple was 160 feet long with a pinnacle 207 feet high. Moses' tabernacle was 30 cubits long, the holy of holies, 10 cubits by 10 cubits by 10 cubits. Everything is laid out in dimensions. But when it comes to David's tent, there are no dimensions ever given in the word of God for David's tent. Why? Because God doesn't want us copying the dimensions of another building in this hour. He wants us to focus not on ground dimensions, but glory dimensions. God is warning us to be elevated and go from glory to glory, not just build a house of dimensions that people on earth know how to build. And I don't know about you, but I want to go from glory to glory in God. If you're satisfied with Sunday morning church experiences, I cannot help you for the next several weeks and months. But if you are hungry to know him in a deeper, greater way, I'm going for you. I'm coming for you because God is getting ready to reveal himself in ways we've never seen him before. And the tent of David, the tabernacle of David, my spiritual father Sam Brassfield all the time talks about the peace of the tabernacle of David. Tent of David was a place of praise, place of prayer place of prophecy, place of power, place of pardon. I love that. So I thought, you know, I love it so much, I'm going to preach a series on it. Because we're we're not here to build a tabernacle like Moses' tabernacle. And we're not here to build one like the, the temple of Solomon. We're here today to say, Lord, what's most important is your presence. And we're going to build a church around the, the ark, the presence, the person of Jesus Christ. And he's going to take us by his spirit from glory to glory. And some of you have never in your life broken into a spirit of wisdom and revelation before. But I declare to you, God is fixing to go to work on the saints. And he is helping us to lose our appetite for religion. And he's going to begin to impregnate us with a hunger for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So that we begin to tap into the more of God. 
mighty God. I feel the Lord on me right now. I feel it's 1201 and I feel the Lord on me right now. Some of you, you need to just let God do something in your life that shifts you from a trajectory of existence into a trajectory of destiny. The Spirit of the living God is wanting to do something in every one of our lives. If you believe it, if I'm talking to you, I want you to give God a praise right now. So this is going to be real teachy. In fact, if I had a chair, I'd be real excited because I'm going to just teach for a while today. I want to talk today about embracing the prophetic. If God is going to build and do something in the last days, it's in Acts 15. He said, I'm going to restore the tent of David. I believe the Lord told me to start with this. He said, I want you to remind the people this is going to be a prophetic house. I didn't say pathetic, I said prophetic. Look at someone, tell them, we are going to embrace the prophetic. Acts 2.17. I'm going to read from the amplified version. And it shall come to pass... In the last days. Come on, read this with me off the screen. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. And it shall come to pass in the last days, God declares, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, telling forth the divine counsels. And your young men shall see visions, divinely granted appearances, and your old men shall dream divinely suggested dreams. Lord, help us to be a house that embraces the prophetic. Let religious tendencies that have been construed and constructed in our heart be torn down and removed from our spiritual walk. I pray that people who have been sheltered and afraid of the supernatural will begin to believe in the supernatural power of God. Let us walk not after the flesh, but after the things of the Spirit. For if we walk after the flesh, we'll die. But Father, if we'll walk after the Spirit, we'll experience life and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So what we want is more of you, Father. My God, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Oh, looky here. Well, my goodness, tell God thank you for some brothers that take even the slightest little hint. I didn't know. I have to be careful what I ask for. They're so good around here. Thank you, Rick and Chris. I do appreciate it. Um, Embracing the prophetic. It's amazing. I believe it's amazing the time that we're living in right now. I don't know about you, but when I look at the earth and I see the stuff happening, we obviously see the rise of darkness, which I believe is a great opportunity for light 
to show up and start a fight. And the good news about the fight between light and dark is light always wins. I have never seen a dark room stay dark when someone turned the light on. Darkness doesn't have like the ability to, to resist it. It doesn't have the ability to take a vote and say, well, we don't, we don't want to be full of light. When light shows up, darkness has to run. It's the way God built the kingdom. Let there be light and there was light. And so we're living in a time where I think in spite of the darkness and even as a backdrop of darkness, light is getting ready to explode in a most vibrant, amazing, powerful way. God is raising up and releasing prophetic people in this day. It's not just spiritual jargon or Christianese. I believe that the Bible teaches an earmark of a church that calls itself a spirit-empowered people is that its sons and daughters prophesy. The Amplified Bible says in Acts 2.17, it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And in, in quotations or in parentheses rather in the Amplified Classic, when it says prophesy, it explains what prophecy is by saying to us that prophecy is the telling forth of the divine counsels of God. God has a mind God has a will. God has a purpose and a destiny. And here's the thing. God is in the business of revealing that. He is in the business of revealing it not only corporately, not only in some, uh, not, not only in a, a way of authority and because he is a God of preeminence and because he is a God of, of all power and sovereignly. He's not just doing it and in some disconnected sovereign way. We hear that a lot. Sovereign. God is sovereign. I totally believe in the sovereignty of God, which means he's God. He asks nobody what to do. He does whatever he wants to do, and he can because he's God. But that doesn't mean he's aloof, disconnected, or, or, or unable to feel what we're feeling. And I want you to know that this God who has all power, all authority, we call it omni, the omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God, he is not some aloof God. He is a very, very touchable, feelable, he's there. He, he cares about you and I. God cares about people. Because he cares about people, he's wanting to communicate with people his sovereign will and purpose for their life. When you read the Gospel of St. John, the fourth chapter, the Bible says Jesus told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. That is absolutely crazy. That the king of glory went hours out of his way, could have taken a more straight, shorter cut to get to where he was going, but he said to his disciples, I have to go through Samaria. Why? Because he knew there was a woman there. I want you to know today God knows where you are. And God knows where the people are you're most concerned about today. And the issue is not only does he know where they are, he's concerned about them and he wants to reveal his counsel, his divine counsel, his divine perfect will. He wants to reveal it to people, but sometimes the people he wants to reveal it to need you and I to hear what God is saying about their life so that we can reveal it to them and they know the goodness of the Father. 
The woman at the well would have never known God would have been her fountain of salvation had Jesus not obediently went out of his way, followed the prompting of the Spirit, and shared with her that you came to this well looking for water, but if you drink from me, I'll give you a drink, and when you drink of my well, you will never thirst again. This is the revelation of the divine counsel of God. And when the woman was standing there, he looked at her and said, Where is your husband? Who asked that question? Jesus, why? Because he knew that she was with a man who was not her husband. Not only was he not her husband, she had already been with five others. Doesn't God have a way of divinely revealing? (laughs) She was on man number six. But life changed when man number seven showed up. See, most of the time we want to act like the only place we can get spiritual is in church. But most of the people who need the God inside me and you are not sitting in our church this morning. They are where you're going tomorrow. They are sitting by you on Monday. They're the ones that sit in a cubicle next to you on t- Are you listening to me today? It's the single parent mother who needs you to know God. It's that mother raising five kids living on food stamps and she doesn't think anybody knows about her. God is trying to find a prophetic people who tap into the divine counsel of God's heart and are not afraid to declare it in the earth. There are several ways to receive the divine counsel of God. Now, you need to take notes over the next couple of weeks. I'm seriously going to slow down because we need to get this. There are, there are several ways to receive and know the prophetic divine counsel of the mind of God. When we prophesy, we are actually speaking forth what we believe to be the, the, the divine will and counsel of God regarding a situation. Some of you freak out right now because you really don't know if God does that kind of revealing. I want you to know you're his children And he doesn't keep secrets from those who walk uprightly before him. If you're walking in communion with God and in fellowship with God and in prayer with God, you should expect the Holy Spirit to give you revelation. Now, over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about some stuff we don't ever talk about in the church. I'm going to talk about how to process a prophetic word. I'm going to talk about why we need prophecy in the church. I'm going to talk about how we engage in prophecy in the church. I'm going to teach that over the next several weeks, and here's why I'm teaching it. I'm not teaching it to the 50 or 75 people who are already prophetic and and need a reminder. I'm trying to talk to religious people. You say, you pastor, we, we have religious people in here. I've been religious before. I have, I have, I was raised where the pastor did everything. Clean the toilets, mow the grass, just did everything. Listen, I want you to understand that my job is not to make you dependent on me. My job is to equip you to go out and do the work of the ministry in the field. This is not the only place where the field is. The field is out there. God needs a prophetic people to transform the lives of those who are blinded and hurting and wondering, does God love them? Two ways to receive the divine prophetic counsel and word of God and will of God. When God has something on his 
heart or his mind that he's wanting to share with somebody and you could be the one that reveals it. There's several ways you could get that. Number one, you could hear it. Well, where do I hear it? In your spirit. Close your eyes and start talking to God. Not now, but when you close your eyes and start talking to God, that's your spirit. You say, Pastor, that feels like my mind. That's why you have to learn how to discern the voice. Because the same place God speaks to you is the same place every other voice in life speaks to you. Someone said, how do you hear the voice of God? I'm not sure that's the right way to say it. You have to learn how to discern the voice of God in the midst of hearing other voices. Because there are a lot of voices talking to your spirit, but there's only one that should get your attention. My sheep know my voice. How? Because they've been with the shepherd long enough that they know, y'all not helping me, they know when the shepherd starts talking. Have you ever closed your eyes and started talking to God and heard a voice condemning you? That ain't the voice of the shepherd. Have you ever closed your eyes to talk to God and tried to hear the voice of God and, and it be a voice of judgment or anger or condemnation or fear? You've got to learn how to discern the voice of the Father. Because the same place you're getting the word of God is the same place every other voice is competing to be heard. Some of you say, I never hear God. Actually, you do. You just don't know how to discern what voice he sounds like. Because most of us haven't spent enough time in this book to know what his voice sounds like. You hear it. Some of us hear it more frequently and more easily. Not only can you hear the divine counsel of God to declare it, you can also see it. It's called a seer. Write it down, S-E-E-R, seer. We have hearers and seers. When God wants to talk to somebody on earth and he needs a vessel, a prophetic vessel to speak through, those people are people, number one, who are willing to hear something from God, and number two, they're willing to see something from God. Have you ever heard somebody come up and say, I hear the Lord saying to me for you? How many have ever heard that before? How many have ever heard me or Devin or one of the leaders of our church say something like, I hear the Lord saying this? Okay. How many have ever heard somebody say, the Lord is showing me this? Because some people get words, some people get pictures. I don't believe that. Read the Bible. In the last days, old men will see, have dreams, and young men will see visions. What does that mean? God is simply trying to show somebody something. If you ever see me close my eyes and start prophesying, it's because I'm getting a prophetic glimpse of something God is trying to show me. And some of us, we close our eyes because we don't want to see anything. Some of us close our eyes and can't help but to see prophetic things. Because when you're open to the Holy Spirit, he'll use your eye gate, your spiritual eye gate, and your spiritual ear gate to get a message to you that he's trying. It'll freak you out how this works. You can be, st I love it when I see people going, oh my gosh. You can actually be used by God at Hobby Lobby. 
Chick-fil-A. I feel like God eats at Chick-fil-A. Anybody else other than me? Every time I eat at Chick-fil-A, I feel like I'm tithing. It's a spiritual experience. Come on. It's like, let's give them some more money. Give me some more chicken. Glory to God. Face ID. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. When God shows you something or speaks something to you, you have a responsibility in humility and love to share what God has shown you and, 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 and spoken to you. What makes, listen to this very carefully, prophecy is not based on a hunch, a supposition, an inference. It's not an educated guess or even sanctified wisdom. I'm trying. Prophecy, <laughs> prophecy, I love you, Elder. Prophecy is the, one Sunday I was preaching about hell and I said, without Jesus, you'll go to hell. And he said, hallelujah. <laughs> Got to have one, amen. Prophecy is not based on a hunch, a supposition, an inference. It's not an educated guess or even sanctified wisdom. Prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. I am simply sharing with you what I believe God showed me. Now, we're going to talk in the future about how to process that and how to train ourselves so that we become more accurate in the prophetic. Because some people want to be prophetic, but they're really pathetic. And God wants to take us, and listen, I would much rather have to train and develop and even correct rather than, rather than try to push and pry people into being a prophetic company. And there are people in here saying, I'm not going to be stoned. Bless God, I'm not going to die for false prophesying. You are living in the old covenant. In the new covenant, we do not stone people who miss it. We judge the prophecy, and then we have to correct it if something's wrong. Stop living under the law and stop not being prophetic simply because you're afraid of missing it. Okay? Now, this is just real teachy stuff, but we got to get there. To embrace the nature, put this up on the screen, write this down. To embrace the nature of the Acts 2.17 promise and to expect its fulfillment in our midst is what makes us a prophetic house. When you read Acts 2.17 and it says sons and daughters shall prophesy, young men see visions, old men dream dreams. When you read that and embrace that and you expect that, you are becoming prophetic. What do you believe when I tell you the Bible says sons and daughters shall prophesy? What do you mean? What do you believe that means? Because what you believe that means determines how prophetic you are or I am or how unprophetic we are. Some people hear sons and daughters shall prophesy and they think that's the youth group. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. I'm not a son or a daughter anymore. Thank you, Lord. Actually, sons and daughters has nothing to do with age. It has to understand, it has to do with the understanding that you came from spiritual lineage. 
And everybody in here who's born again is a son or daughter of the Most High God. So when we see sons and daughters, we are not talking about youthfulness. We're not talking about excited teenagers. We are talking about people who are saying yes to the divine counsel and will of God to be an open person who can receive divine wisdom and counsel and then a willing person who can say what God showed them or spoke to them. Okay? So to embrace the nature, let me say this. You don't have to embrace the nature. You would be amazed at how many people read Acts 2.17 and say this, it's already finished. It ain't happening no more. God already did it. How horribly sad to read a Bible full of prophetic, powerful, supernatural activity and to believe that it only lasted for 40 years? What kind of mess are we in if we don't have the Holy Ghost. Well, do you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to go to the Piggly Wiggly. We, we, listen, we've gotten into this thing about just wanting to be saved enough not to go to hell and get into heaven but do nothing with our born-again experience while we're on our way. God did not save you to warm a pew. He saved you to make a difference in the lives of other people and to wreck the devil's plans. And I'm going to freak somebody out and tick somebody off with this one. I already have. What about speaking in tongues? I believe in speaking in tongues. But Paul said, I would rather you prophesy than speak in tongues. We got a lot of Pentecostal people who wave the banner of speaking in tongues, but they only speak in tongues in church and nobody outside the church, I'm not going to get no help here, has ever been impacted or changed because of the power they have. If you have the power of the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, you will prophesy and speak into the lives of people who do not know God but are looking for him. Let me keep going. Sit down. Wallace, sit down. Okay. When we say we're being a prophetic house, some people immediately get turned off because they think it's about us making everyone a prophet. This fear is unnecessary and unwarranted, but the church has the fear because we haven't taught the truth about prophetic ministry. Taking notes, write this down. First of all, not every believer is a prophet. Ephesians chapter 4, Jesus gave the gift of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Okay? Not everybody who is saved is a prophet, an apostle, a pastor, a teacher, or an evangelist. And what I want to say is, okay, so what? We have so glorified the fivefold and minimized we need apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for one reason. Number one, Jesus gave gifts. If you can't receive a gift Jesus gave, he's not going to give you any more. 
My kids, if I ever give them something and they don't have an appreciative spirit for it, I, I may not get them a Christmas gift next year. <laughs> I'm kidding, y'all. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, what an evil man. <laughs> How many have ever given a gift to someone and they just like, oh, thanks? <sighs> Write that down, okay. When God gives you a gift, you ought to celebrate it, honor it, and thank him for it. Because he has more gifts to give, and if you steward the gift he gave you properly, he'll trust you to take care of other gifts that he wants to give you. But it's not just about the gift, it's about what the gift is intended to do in your life. Ephesians 4 is very clear. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher is for the development of the saints. And I want you to understand that when God starts giving the gift of the prophet, it is to, see, I teach it like this, and we, other people taught it. I'm not the only one that taught it. Apostle is the thumb of the hand. It touches every other ministry gift. The index finger is the prophet because it's the one that will point you and me back to the heart of God. Got to be careful with this one, but the evangelist, <laughs> got to be careful here. The evangelist is the tallest finger on the hand. Why? Because it reaches into the darkest places and goes deeper into the heart of darkness so that it can bring people into the light of Jesus. And then the finger where the ring is is the pastor because that's the one that has a vein that runs all the way to the heart. And a pastor is married to the church. And then a pinky is the teacher. And you may not think it's significant because it's the smallest finger on the hand. But if you don't have the pinky, you can't properly hold the sword. There's a lot of churches that don't walk in who they're called to be because there's not a grounding in teaching. And if you're not got teaching, you can't be grounded in the faith. So we need all five. When God sends you a prophet, it's to point us back to the heart of God. But not everybody in, in the kingdom is a prophet. But Every believer can prophesy. You missed it. Not, everybody say this with me. Not every believer is a prophet, but every believer can prophesy. You want proof? I got it. Hang on. Let me write, if you're taking notes, write this down. You do not accidentally become prophetic. Being prophetic is intentional. There are three things I want to teach you today about the prophetic quickly. Number one, you got to pursue the prophetic. Number two, embrace it. Number three, be activated in it. Number one, everybody say, pursue the prophetic. Pursue the prophetic. Can you put that slide on the screen? Eagerly. This is scripture. Come on. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts, especially that you may, he is not talking to prophets. He is talking to believers. And he says to all believers, you ought to earnestly pursue the ability to prophesy, which is to speak and declare the divine counsel and will of God. Amen. Am I over your head? Can you catch this with me today? Everybody is encouraged to covet the gift of prophecy. How many, when I was raised in church, prophecy meant one thing. Mark of the beast, 
spiders the size of Volkswagens, a four-faced beast coming, the mark of the beast. How many know what I'm talking about? When we said we're going to have a prophecy conference, we had an end-time teacher come and teach Bible prophecy. That is not what I'm talking about today. Prophesying is speaking the divine counsel and will of God out of your mouth to something or someone. And Paul says, eagerly pursue it. Well, I don't want to covet gifts. You haven't read the Bible. The Bible says, covet, earnestly pursue, seek to be used by God. So many people, I'm too, I, I don't want to get exalted in pride. Well, we don't want you walking around in ignorance either. I mean, we don't have to be arrogant and proud to be used by God. You can actually be humble and be powerful in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. God wants a prophetic people who will eagerly pursue this, this, this exercise and this gift of prophecy. You ought to ask God to speak to you so he can speak through you. If nobody's pursuing the prophetic, nobody's going to be prophetic. And it is totally possible for you to be pursuing the prophetic so that you can give glory to God and help people. But the problem is when we come to church and we say, he does our prophesying. She does our prophesying. Moses said, I would that all God's children prophesied. I guarantee you this, if everybody in this room was prophetic, it would keep all of us from sin and struggle and all these pet things that we struggle with. If we were prophetic and pursued the prophetic more than we pursued the things of the flesh, and I'm not being mean, I'm just telling you, there's great victory in pursuing the things of God. If you're not pursuing to be used by God, there is something wrong in your spiritual heart. You should wake up every day and say, God, I want you to work in and through my life for your glory. Slap your neighbor, karate chop them if they're asleep. Do something else, stomp on their toe or something. But tell them, neighbor, pursue the prophetic. There is nothing wrong with you waking up and saying, God, today speak to me and through me. If you walk in communion, he'll blow your mind and talk to you. Number two, embrace it. Put that verse up. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I would be delighted, Paul said, if you all, say you all, say you all. I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues, but I desire even more that you all impart prophetic revelation to others. I feel like Paul. I wish you all spoke in tongues. Some of you are like, huh? Oh no, my mama told me that was of the devil. Why do you come to church here? <laughs> you come because even though your mama told you it was of the devil, when it happens, something wakes up on the inside of you. That's why you come because God is not some dead religious God that is up in some far removed corner of the universe. There is a river flowing and you want to be in it. Jump in. Well, I've never spoken in tongues before. 
Well, there's a first time for everything. It's amazing. People come to church and they won't believe what we're teaching but don't want to leave because they love it. There's a reason people are looking for spirit-filled churches in 2019. There's a reason dead, dry-hide denominations are folding up their tent and don't have churches anymore. It's because we don't need a cardboard Jesus up in the corner of a universe. We need the power of God released in the earth, and he is moving by his spirit. Do you believe it? Shout all over this church. He said, I'd be delighted if y'all spoke in tongues. But even more, that you all impart prophetic revelation to others. I feel like I'm equipping some people that are getting ready to run the devil out of business. Some people that need God will never come here to hear me first. The first preacher they're going to hear is you. And it's going to look something like this. Come here, Isaiah. Poor thing. Come here. Isaiah, I want you to pretend you're a cash register person. A cashier. Okay, whatever, Dev. Okay, you want to preach? Okay. I'm just kidding. Okay, tell the kid, I love you. I love you so much. Okay. Got enough gold on those fingers today there? Okay, watch. Just type in, okay. And I'm checking out with my grocery bag. And all of a sudden, something on the inside of me says, he he needs to know that I'm going to take care of his family. And then we go like this, but what if I'm missing it? What What if that ain't you, God? Let me help you. It ain't the devil. It ain't the devil. The devil wants that mind to Oshiban Dakosa. I feel the Holy Ghost on me. The devil wants that mind to keep feeling isolated and alone and like nobody cares. But what the devil did not take into account that morning when that young cashier got up and he put his tight jeans on and he got his hair did and he came in with his name tag on and he was sitting there going through misery, going through hell internally, feeling a million miles away from God. And before you put that last candy bar, beep, the Holy Ghost gave you a download and said just let him know I got his family I got him everything's going to be all right." what if I miss it well the worst thing possible is that he's going to say I don't know what you're talking about and then what you do is you say father I did my best you get in the car and you carry your groceries home and you say Lord thank you for at least letting me be willing today but the problem with with 99% of the church is we'd rather be afraid and do nothing and that young man commits suicide 
it looks just like this. This may sound crazy, and I may be a million miles off, but I believe God in heaven just told me he wants you to know he's going to take care of you and your family. And if you need me to pray for anything today, I'm willing to do that. And if not, I bless you in the name of the Lord. Then you take out your little, you take out your little Apple Pay. Beep, beep. Have a good day. Give me my groceries. Where my groceries go? Give me my. Be blessed. You say, what? See, that's what's getting ready to happen in the earth. God is about to raise up a people who don't wait till you bring them to church to introduce them to Jesus. God is about to raise up a people who introduce the love of Jesus to them. Am I making sense? the next time you hear the beep the Holy Ghost beeps you beep beep slap your neighbor look at him and say beep oh I'm getting ready to get testimonies I see it happening in my spirit right now some of y'all gonna hear a beep tonight at Walmart and instead of you keeping your mouth closed all you're gonna say is I feel like the Lord just told me he's got you and your family covered he wants you to know you're the apple of his eye and he, is there anything I can pray for oh okay Father bless them in the name of Jesus and if they don't want prayer pay beep, get to the car it's not that big a deal but it makes a massive difference in their life church wake up dear lord I feel like running the city hall I said wake up What if I'm wrong? What if you're right? This is crazy stuff. You can go to the mall, hang out, and change people's life. Every single, see, oh, Jesus, every single moment, can become prophetic. Well, you're too spiritual. Can we just disconnect from Jesus? Can we just watch a football game? Sure, watch a football game. Go to the vendor and get a burger and ask the dude with a beer, hey man, can I pray for you? Anything at all can I do? He's got a beer. I don't care. football game, sit down beside the person and call it a divine connection. I'll never forget, I'll never forget being in the airplane, sitting beside a PGA golf pro who was going through a divorce. He wrote one of the top selling golf books on 
how to have the perfect swing. He was a teacher to so many different players. This has been a few years ago. I don't even remember them all. But he was, a, just a, he was on the golf channel all the time. He sat down beside me on the plane. <laughs> and people always say, what do you do? <sighs> I'd rather do ministry without telling them what I do. I'm a preacher. Oh, my God. I'd rather them not ask me that and me just go to work. Because sometimes you hear, I'm a preacher, and you think, he could never understand what I'm going through. Before this man got off the plane, we had prayed, he had cried, God had moved at 35,000 feet. And I get emails from him periodically, and he talks about how God is still working things out and moving in his family. Here's the thing. Stop looking at your life. Everybody in here, please, stop looking at your life, waiting on a door to open and understand God already opened it. I'm waiting on ministry. No, what you're waiting on is a pulpit. Because if you were waiting on ministry, you'd have been doing ministry a long time ago. Ministry does not need a microphone or a pulpit. Ministry needs a willing heart. I got to hurry. Number three, activate the prophetic. Look at this, Romans 12, verse 6, God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate. Well, how do we know if we have the grace gift? Are you pursuing it? Are you embracing it? When he speaks to you, are you willing to step out on faith and courage and say, I believe God spoke something to me for you. Well, I'd, I'd be so embarrassed if I missed it. You know, I'm glad Jesus wasn't embarrassed of me. Some of you just need some courage. I'm an introvert. Yeah, about that. Boldness doesn't consult your personality type. Boldness is, a result, is not a result of type A. Just be in touch with God, and when he starts showing you and talking to you, open your mouth. Now, five more minutes here, and I'm going to wrap this up. God, forgive me for lying. Okay, look at Acts 21. <laughs> Preconceived repentance. Look at Acts 21. Somebody say a prophetic house. Then we, Paul is talking, Luke is writing, Paul is the one that is with Luke and they're on this journey. Then we went on to Caesarea. If you're taking notes, and you can't see that, that's a lot of words, I know, but Caesarea there is not Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16, right? This is Caesarea, it's a place called Caesarea Maritima. And this is a place that was a largely Gentile city on the coast, and it had been inhabited by Gentiles. And here's what's crazy. Philip, a spirit-filled, Greek-speaking Jewish man, had built a home in Caesarea Maritima. Okay? We're going to talk about that house. Everybody say house. 
He has a house in Caesarea Maritima, and his four daughters live with him. Okay? And that's what we're getting ready to read about. Say prophetic house. I want to declare over us right now we are becoming a prophetic house. Well, does that mean we're getting weird? If you call that weird, call it whatever you want. We're just not going to stay religious anymore. Then we went on to Caesarea and stayed for several days in the home of Philip. Everyone say Philip. The evangelist who was one of the seven deacons and the father of four unmarried daughters who did what? Prophesied. During our stay of several days, Agabus, a prophet from Judea, came to visit us as a prophetic gesture. This is the Passion Translation. I love the way it said it. He took Paul's belt and tied his own hands and feet with it as he prophesied. The Holy Spirit says the one who owns this belt will be tied up in the same way by the Jews and they will hand him over to those who are not Jews. Now watch this. Let me unpack a couple of things and then we're going to be done. Number one, say this is going to be a prophetic house. How many can receive that? How many believe and receive that this is going to be a prophetic house? Now watch this. There are four things I want to show you about a prophetic house that we have to endear ourselves to. Number one, a prophetic house will have spiritual fathers and mothers who train and nurture. The most dangerous thing is to be prophetic without accountability. The most dangerous thing is to have a bunch of people wanting to prophesy, but no one submitted to mothers and fathers in the faith. If you're not willing to be trained and nurtured, you are not qualified to have a prophetic gift and operation in your life. Why? Because you are not infallible and I am not either. The only infallible word from God is in the Bible. That doesn't mean it's the only word from God, but the only infallible word that doesn't need to be judged or scrutinized is in that book. Everything else we release as prophetic, we need to understand it comes over a human heart. So we have to be willing to, number one, make sure we are accurate as we are as accurate as can be and willing to be corrected or trained if we miss it this is where we fall off the prophetic bandwagon is when we have people who ab abstain from being prophetic because they know it causes so many problems do you know there are plenty of churches that are not prophetic that are screwed up you don't need a prophetic move to, to mess a church up. Trust me, there are plenty of messed up churches that are not prophetic. Prophecy and the prophetic doesn't mess up a church only if that those people would be unwilling to be trained and nurtured. The good news is we are operating in grace and mercy. This is not the old covenant. This is not the law. If you're trying to step out and be used by God and you blow it, we don't stone you on your front porch. What we say is, maybe that wasn't quite the best delivery. I mean, you were breathing hellfire and brimstone and, you know, you popped nine blood vessels as you prophesied and half of what you said you found out about them on Facebook anyway. That might not have been prophetic. Don't you love how I slide those things in? Just bam. Being prophetic doesn't mean you have intuition. It doesn't mean you have a preconceived thought about the person. It doesn't mean you checked out their social media to find out who their mama was and then you tried to tell them who their mama was. None of those things are prophetic. 
Prophetic comes from having a communion and relationship with the Holy Spirit, him speaking to you and you obeying and saying the divine counsel and will he revealed to your heart. We need spiritual fathers and mothers. This is crazy. Take notes. Write it down. Philip is the father of this prophetic house in Acts 21. Philip. Everyone say Philip. Philip is a man, according to Acts chapter 6, a man full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. First of all, I don't want anyone being my spiritual father that is not full of wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost. Well, my bishop got on. My bishop, he wears three-piece suits. and he Yeah, but listen. We have more confidence in the appearance of people. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you check somebody's social media accounts to see if they have a blue check by their name before you listen to them, as if the blue check is weight, we, we, we listen to people who have followers rather than people who have faith and have a weight in the spirit. I got nothing wrong with people who have followers, but if that is your criteria for hearing somebody, you are in trouble. Because anybody who can pull a crowd can get your attention. I'll keep going. Spiritual fathers and mothers. So if we're going to be a prophetic house, number one, we got to have spiritual fathers and mothers who train and nurture. Philip was a man who was full of the wisdom of God and full of the Holy Spirit. He went to Samaria, cast out devils, healed the sick. And in Acts chapter 8, it said, when Philip got through preaching, the whole city went up in joy. I need those kind of spiritual fathers in my life. When you get that kind of leadership in the Lord, then it opens up an opportunity for the next one, which is number two, sons and daughters who are yielded to the Holy Spirit and activated in the things of God. It is not coincidental that a man who went to Samaria and then went to a wilderness preached a sermon to one Ethiopian in a chariot, baptized the Ethiopian in the middle of a wilderness, and then God took him out. I mean, the Lord just took Philip out. The next thing he woke up the next morning, he was in a city called Azotus. How many know that's supernatural stuff? Here's the point. The point is this. If you have spiritual fathers and mothers who spend time training, nurturing, releasing, developing, deploying, then what you have is an atmosphere where sons and daughters, of whom we all are sons and daughters. Isn't it funny? That even on one hand, I'm a spiritual father. On the other hand, I'm a spiritual son. Come on, somebody. You say, I'm old. I know you're getting older, but you should never lose your sonship. Okay? So we need fathers and mothers who are training and nurturing. We need sons and daughters who are yielded and activated. If you're not yielded to the Holy Spirit using you, I could pour out all this teaching today and nobody in Chattanooga be changed. Because we don't yield to the Spirit. We just stay locked into our own religious existence. But what happened in Philip's house, say Philip's house, was a prophetic house. Say, was a prophetic house. Redemption to the nations, hear me please. God wants us to be a prophetic house, so we have to have spiritual fathers and mothers who are dedicated to training, teaching, and nurturing. And we have to have sons and daughters in the Spirit who are willing and yielded to be activated in the things of the Spirit. Number three. If you're going to be a prophetic house, this is crazy. Philip had four daughters at Caesarea Maritima. It wasn't even Jerusalem. But everybody came to the Gentile city because they wanted to get in Philip's house. Why did they want to come to Philip's house? Because there was a prophetic swirl there. He had four daughters. All of them prophesied. 
History, extra-biblical texts tell us that people came from all over the known world to sit in Philip's house at Caesarea Maritima and allowed the daughters of Philip to prophesy. Wow. I don't believe in women preachers. <laughs> what a miserable soul. I don't know about you, but if God had a word for me, I'd take it from a sister. Let me just say, oh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> Fundamentalist, God is about to rock your world. God is about to rock your world. We're me- moving into a day when sons and daughters are going to be released to prophesy. And in this house, there will be no such, there will be no such bondage for ladies in the kingdom of God in this house. None. It's the day of the daughter, and we declare in Jesus' name, if God has called it clean, don't call it unclean. And if God put his anointing on it, keep your mouth off of it. Recently just watched one of our heroes, Bible teacher Beth Moore, get filleted by a group of fundamentalist preachers sitting on a stage laughing at her and mocking her because she was a woman preacher. Someone asked them the question, what should we do with, what should Beth Moore do? They said she should go home. Let me tell you something right now. I declare this. The Lord is going to take the microphone out of the hands of the people who are not willing and ready to see what he is doing in the earth. And he's going to begin to put a microphone in the hands of people who will not magnify their kingdom. They will magnify the name of the Lord and advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'm almost through. Watch this. His four daughters prophesied, look who shows up to his house. Paul, an apostle, Agabus, a prophet. What's the point? Third point. A prophetic house has a high level of spiritual receptivity. I've been wanting to preach this for about 12 years. So I don't know how it's going to come out, but it's about to come out. When God sends a prophet, an apostle, an evangelist, a teacher, a pastor, anyone like that in the kingdom into this house, Open the door and let them in and take in everything God sent them to release. Matthew 10, 41. Receive a prophet in the name of a prophet and you get a prophet's reward. You ready for this? Prophets don't belong to us, they belong to God. And God gave them a reward for their accepting their calling of a prophet. That reward is favor and blessing. When you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, the reward that God put on that prophet's life becomes a reward you and I participate in. When God sends somebody to this pulpit to preach, the thing to do is not look them up and down. I ain't never heard nobody like that before. Praise God, you ain't never heard nobody like that before. Take it in as God loving you enough to send you somebody with a word last week. Last week, Bishop Miller preached this place into holy fire. 
And yet there were some people I'm sure who said, I never heard him before. I'm going to have to wait and see how I feel about him. You are carnal and you miss the reward that God intended for you to take home when you sit out there and try to judge somebody. You ought to have a high level of receptivity. Well, we should be real careful. If Listen, listen, I'm, I'm not bringing some foolishness in here. I ain't going to let somebody stand up and act a fool. When somebody walks to the pulpit of this church, we should receive them. If we're going to be a prophetic house, we got to have an open door to the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that are going to drop by and speak over us. And then this is the last thing I'm done. If you're going to be a prophetic house, you have to give people permission to be prophetic. This is where people lose it right here. They get real nervous when Agabus shows up. Now, we like the Apostle Paul. Paul writes the Bible. Paul teaches. Paul, Paul. But when, when Agabus shows up, he gets prophetic in his gestures. <laughs> oh, I'm getting ready to freak some religious people out. Put this around your waist. Hurry. Put it around your waist. 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 So don't, don't tie it. Just put it around your waist. Okay. So here, here's what happens. Agabus is a prophet from Jerusalem. He comes to Caesarea. Why would he come to Caesarea? Because there's a prophetic house. How do I know it's a prophetic house? Because Philip is a spiritual father. He has four daughters who are virgins. God, I don't have time to teach this. And all of them prophesy. And there's this prophetic spiritual swirl going on down in Caesarea. And it ain't even Jerusalem. It's a Gentile town. What I got news for you is when the kingdom invades, God doesn't just invade religious places. God will go get the most screwed up city and put a house that is prophetic right in the middle. Y'all don't hear what I'm telling you. God will put a prophetic house right in the center of hell's headquarters hallelujah so so down down at Philip's house down at RTTN with nurturing training spiritual fathers and mothers all over the room and with sons and daughters who are yielded and activated in the things of God God says oh I found me a house that'll keep a door open to heaven let me send apostles and prophets let me send people in the kingdom by let me just send them down there and then let them knock on the door who, who, who's here oh it's Agabus Agabus comes in Agabus don't care nothing about what you think about his Gucci or his clothing line. Agabus didn't show up to be seen. Agabus showed up. Agabus showed up with the word. He comes in. And why do they let Agabus come in and start prophesying? Because they are not skeptical or cynical. Who in this house today is full of skepticism and cynicism? Because you saw some prophet mm -hmm, sleeping with everything under the moon and it all came out in the news and now you think every prophet's got a problem like that and you can't receive from anybody because your mind has been poisoned with skepticism and cynicism. And yeah, we've seen this thing before. We've seen how these prophets and these preachers are. You better get your mind clean because not everybody that's in the pulpit has a secret lover at the Red Roof Inn. Not everybody in the pulpit. Y'all better help me in here today. You, you, need, you need to recapture a sense of honor and appreciation for the gifts of God in the kingdom. So Agabus knocks on the door. RTTN, can I come in? I got a word. This is crazy. A house in, 
start playing our land. A house in Caesarea Maritima has the Apostle Paul and a prophet named Agabus and four prophesying daughters and a spiritual father named Philip. All this in one house? History tells us he turned Caesarea Maritima upside down. A Gentile city become a stronghold for the kingdom. Watch it. Can I come in? Agabus the prophet walks in. And Philip doesn't go, oh, he makes me nervous. I don't know what he's going to do. Philip just sits there. Because spiritual fathers know that God is big enough, he don't need you to explain him. So he comes in. He says, Apostle, can I have your belt? Yeah. Somebody say permission to be prophetic. Put that scripture back up there, Chad. Can you do that? that, that Acts 21 scripture? Look at this. Look at verse 11. As a prophetic. Have you ever met somebody who's not afraid to engage in a prophetic gesture? They make you nervous, don't they? Remember that Sunday I picked up a bottle of water and just went. I, people left. They left. I dare him get my hairpiece wet. How dare him? My suit got damp. Well, stay dry. Stay dry. I don't care. It's a, pro no, a prophetic gesture. What happens when people start being permitted to be prophetic? It sounds like this. Why in the world are up, they up there painting? So what are they painting anyway? I ain't never seen nobody paint in church because you can't see nothing in your spirit. They're not painting home interior paintings. They caught something in their spirit and they're putting it on a canvas to declare in one more way the goodness and glory of an awesome God. prophetic gestures I can't get around Devin when I'm in a in an unprophetic mood she's always like something like today fall back fall back fall back God's saying something to me about this fall back thing I'm like yo, yo sis everything everything and then I get in the hallway, and Chris is prophetic. It's time change Sunday. Whoa, God, God is about to change time. Oh, hallelujah. I'm like, y'all, why ain't I feeling this thing? You know what? You, you don't like those people because they have something you ain't got, but you won't. And I got good news for you. You can have it. Ah, you can have it. You can actually open up your heart and God talk to you like that. You can actually just go with the river. Dean Sykes, when Dean starts going like this, I'm like, he's getting something from God right now. Amy, come up today, share the word of the Lord. She's like, catch me, catch me. Some of y'all are like, catch you? Why? What are you feeling? You, you can feel what she was feeling too if you want to. 
Here's the thing. Agabus takes the belt off Paul, and he does this prophetic gesture, and he ties it. I'm not going to try to tie my feet up. But he ties his hands and his feet up. And he says, just like I'm tied up, the man who wears this belt will be tied up by the Jews in Jerusalem and delivered to people who are not Jewish. It was a prophetic gesture. Why could he be prophetic in that house? Because a spiritual father gave him permission to. I want to tell some people in this room that are getting visitations and words about Shia and revelations from God that they have been, you have been made to feel out of place and strange and weird in your past. Listen, y'all, we can have this conversation and recognize not everybody who wants to be prophetic gets it right all the time. I'm willing to say that. But we have run people who are prophetic out of churches because we thought they were crazy when in reality they were caught up in God. Now, when we do this, there'll be order. Because everything should be done decently and in order. And most of the stuff we're talking about ain't even going to happen in the house, although some of it will. I want you to keep your heart open to God. I want you to keep your spirit willing to be prophetic in nature. I'm just not one of those deep people. Listen, y'all, this ain't about being deep or shallow. This is about being yielded and open to God. Stand with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I don't want anyone running out real quick. I'm going to let you go in a minute, but somebody needs to get born again right now. You're in this room, and you would say to me, Pastor Kevin, I need Jesus to save my life today. I am away from God. And I want him to come into my life and change me today. And I feel screwed up and I feel like I've messed up too bad and I don't know that he'll love me and I don't know that he'll take me, but I want you to pray for me today, Pastor, because I need Jesus to save me. My sin load is heavier than I can bear. And I need him to lift this load for me. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if somebody in this room needs Jesus to lift the sin off their heart and give them new life. I'm counting to three. Lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me. One, two, three. Right now. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Put your hands down. Thank you for being transparent and honest. I want you to look at the person next to you in just a moment. I don't care if you've known them your whole life and you know they're saved or if you've never met them and you're wondering. If you're in this room, I want you to help me do this right now. I want you to look at the person on your right and left and simply say, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you right now? And if you lifted your hand or you should have lifted your hand, when your neighbor asks you that question, shake your head, yes, get out of your seat, come stand down here with me right now. Jesus is going to save some people. If you lifted your hand or you should have, come on right now. I'm giving my heart to the Lord. Anybody, anybody before we leave, come on right now. Thank you for coming, baby. Come on. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming over here. Come on. Bring the baby. Bring the whole family. I don't care. Bring everybody. Come on. I don't want to leave like I came, Pastor. Come on. I got to give it to Jesus. So, come on. Somebody got to lift this load up me. I can't get this load off my
myself. I can't lift it myself. They're still coming. I need a church to praise God. I need a church to get happy. I need a church to bless the Lord. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. I need elders and pastors to come stand with these new family members right now. Come on. Some of them don't even know what it's like to feel like they're part of a family, but they're going to feel it today. Come stand with me right now. Everyone stretching your hands toward the altar right now. This is why we're prophetic. This is why we're here. This is why, because God's not through with their lives yet, and we're here today to testify he's just getting started. Come help me all across the front. Some of your sisters, come pray with these sweet young ladies in the altar. Everyone else praying right now. God, God, save lives today. Save lives today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there I received my sight. People are getting saved. Come on, pray for them before we go. Now I'm happy all the day. At the cross, where I first saw the light. And the bird. It was there. time family let's sing it in thanksgiving as God saves our new brothers and sisters the cross at the cross I first saw the light and the burden of my heart it was there by faith If you, listen, if you are willing to take this journey of becoming more prophetic to the glory of God and you will begin to pursue, embrace, and with courage be activated as God leads you, lift both hands to God right now. Lord, from right to left, all across this house, I'm asking you to transform a church into a prophetic company that are activated and used by your Holy Spirit in making a difference in the lives of people. Bless them today, oh God, with ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, a heart to receive the Spirit's invitation, and a mouth to declare what thus saith the Lord. I pray now, God, against fear. I pray now, God, against the spirit of fear. You did not give them the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And as you speak to them, they're going to disrupt Satan's agenda in the lives of a multitude. And people who are hopeless, my God, I feel this, are coming into new hope in Christ because of the obedience of the people of God being yielded to the spirit. Bless them today. 
in the mighty name of Jesus with divine appointments. Oh, come on, church. Receive this now. Divine appointments this week. Bring the testimony back to the church. We want to hear what God is doing. Lives are going to be changed. In Jesus' name, I declare the church is getting ready to leave the building. And as they leave, I declare they are being activated in the things of the Spirit. And that this week they're on an assignment to put the devil out of business as they lift up the name of Jesus for the glory of Almighty God. And I hear the Holy Ghost saying every curse is broken, every hex is broken. I'm declaring right now there are some, there's somebody in this room, the enemy has been trying to declare one thing over your life, but I came to tell you it will not prosper, it will not work, it will not prevail. The plan of the enemy is broken off of you now, and the power of God is coming into your heart. The mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. I love your fellowship. Hug next. Go shake hands. Listen, tonight at 6 p.m., don't forget, we begin revival nights at our Athens campus. We love you. I want you to go in the peace of God. Be blessed as you leave today.